find a, a way to um, stay plugged into the Word. We're going to talk about that in great detail this morning, but uh, why don't you pray with me first. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for all that you've done for us in Christ. We thank you for the way that you have provided for us by the giving to us of your very word, Lord, this morning, the Bible. As we plug into the Bible today, we want to be people who hear you, who listen to you, who respond to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but... um, Um, As perhaps you've gotten a little, what's the right word, older, um, sometimes I kind of forget what I look like. Does that ever happen to you? And so I'm walking through the store sometimes, back in the day when we could do that at our leisure, and you know, you walk by those places where they have a mirror on the column, and you see yourself in there. I see myself and go, who's that old bald fat guy? Oh, that's me, right. And which is a really, really silly thing, right? Because every morning, or well, most every morning, I look in the mirror as I shave and brush my teeth and all that kind of stuff. And to, to, to not know what I look like, it's really, really, what's the right word? The right word is dumb for me to pretend that I don't know what I look like. Well, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is going to take that very word picture of looking into a mirror and forgetting what we look like. He's going to take that word picture and show us how much dumber it is if we call ourselves Christians to say that we know biblical truth, but we don't act on it. So God expects his people to act on the truth that he's given to us. And we're going to pull this out of the passage this morning, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Now, We've pulled the Bibles out of the pews so you can look up on the screen and be able to see the words to the scripture passages up there. If you're watching at home online through Facebook or through our website, there's a, yeah, a place for you to find the Bible translation and follow along. Uh, most everybody these days has a smartphone. There are a zillion Bible apps for smartphones, whether you're doing an Android-based system or an, an Apple-based system. Uh, the U Bible version is a very popular one, so you could get one of those. And when we do this, you could like follow along there if you wanted to. Now, either way, any one of those ways is great. The point is to be in the Word together. So James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27 goes like this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like, catch it, someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves righteous and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. These verses in chapter 1, 19 through 27. These verses capture the essence of the book of James. 
They show what it looks like when people who have been rescued by God, people who have been saved by faith in Jesus, it shows us what we look like, or supposed to look like anyway, when we're living out that faith. The danger is sometimes when people read the book of James, you can sometimes walk away from the the book with thinking that, all right, James has given me a bunch of things to do, and if I do those things, I will be saved, I will be rescued, I will be uh, eternally in the presence of God. That is not what he is saying. What he is saying is, if you are in the body of Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, then certain things should naturally flow from that connection. James speaks to believers. How do I know that? Because the very first 19, the very first verse that we read, he he addresses us, brothers and sisters in Christ. What is going on here is that as a consequence of our faith, James expects results, behavioral change, a life that reflects the gratitude that we have to God for what he's done for us in Christ. And that change should be evident in the way we live our lives. So what's the basic idea? It's captured in verses 22 through 24 when James says, don't just listen to the word, do what it says, right? And he used that word picture of somebody who looks at themselves in the mirror and then walks away and says, yeah, I forgot what I look like. It's ridiculous. Even more ridiculous than that, James is saying, is the person who hears the Word of God, who hears the Bible, who knows what it says, and does not live it out. A couple were planning a trip to the Holy Land back before, you know, all this uh, pandemic stuff set in, and, and the husband said to his wife, wouldn't it be great to be on the top of Mount Sinai and shout the Ten Commandments? And his wife looked at him and said, you know, what might be better is if we stayed home and actually lived the commandments out. James compares this person in verses 22 through 24 with another person in verse 25. This person in verse 25 soaks up all they can of God's word. The phrase that James uses in the New International Version translation is looks intently into the word of God. This is the same word that's used in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 5, about the disciple John getting to the empty tomb on the day of the resurrection, looking in there because he has heard that Jesus is raised, now he's looking hard and long and fast, and he's, he's focused and concentrated because Jesus, who is dead, is no longer dead. That's the kind of focus and concentration that James is talking about here for us on the Word of God. Did you ever watch the show CSI, CSI, CSI fans out there? Yeah. There were three of them, I think. There was the original CSI, which I think was based in Las Vegas. There was CSI New York, which was based in, well, New York. And then there was CSI Miami, which Pastor Laura and I <coughs> always called, <coughs> excuse me, the cheesy version of CSI because of kind of the way they went about doing stuff. <coughs> but you know these CSI people, right? What do they do? They, they show up at a crime scene, hence the two first letters CS. They show up at a crime scene, and they're looking, they're focused, they're like down with the magnifying glasses and the magnifying cameras because they want to make sure they understand exactly what's going on there. That's the kind of scrutiny that James says we should have of the Bible. As believers in Jesus, we should be focused and intent and purposeful looking in there, not happy with superficial knowledge, not happy with scraps of verses partially memorized. 
This is why the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 16 says, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This person in verse 25 wants to absorb it all, not as some kind of an academic exercise, nor to be prepared for a Bible trivia game. Pastor Laura and I attended a Bible trivia game at a fairly large church in New England. We, it was not our church. We went with some friends of ours. And so we sat at one table, so it was us and our posse. And then at the table next to us was the pastor of that church and his posse. You get what's going to happen here now, right? So each question comes, right? We're, 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 we're strategizing together to come up with the answer. And our table strategy was, let's look at Pastor Howard and Laura and have them tell us what the answer is. <laughs> Can you imagine the pressure? But each and every question, I would look over at the other table and the pastor sitting at the other table was giving me the eye. And I knew what he was communicating telepathically. This is my church. I should win this contest about the Bible in my church. Kept giving me the eye. Well, I was gracious to, you know, let him win. But James here, he's not talking about Bible trivia. In fact, I think that phrase is an oxymoron myself. This person here in James chapter 5 Chapter 1, excuse me, is a person who studies the Word of God so that her or his life is changed by it. That's James' emphasis on doing. It just jumps out from this passage in verse 22. He says, do what it says. In verse 25, he says, those people who are doing it. It echoes Jesus in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11 where he said, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and obey it. Sometimes I think we tend to get stuck and think Jesus stopped at blessed are those who hear the word of God and forget the obey it part of it. There are lots and lots and lots of great Bible teachers out there. Women and men who faithfully study to share the truth and help us to apply it. One of my favorites for a long time has been the pastor Chuck Swindoll who's just got this gift to ferret out really applicable truths from the scripture. And you all probably have your own Favorites, and I've heard lots of people say, I appreciate so-and-so's teaching, wherever their favorite happens to be. Well, that's just hearing it. Because if we really want to express appreciation for somebody's teaching, we do it. We don't just hear it, we do it. God expects his people, me and you, all of us, to act on the truths that we derive from his word. This is supposed to be a core value for people of faith in Christ. So the question for all of us this morning is, are we just hearers of the word or are we doers of the word? And James in this passage is going to give us three ways that we can kind of do a little self-check and figure that out. Three measures, if you will, three basic measures for people who are, who are doers of the word. Doobies. Which now that I say it out loud kind of makes me hungry for a hamburger. Three ways. The first way, a controlled mouth, a tight rein on the tongue, anger not expressed inappropriately. In verses 19 and 20, James is crystal clear anger is not cool. It does not accomplish what God wants. Now, there are some things worth getting 
angry about. Just not most of the things that we usually get angry about, right? When my son was uh, four, uh, we were living in England at the time, and we were living in a British Army officer's housing complex, and he'd made friends with this little kid his age named Peter. They became like these inseparable buddies. And so, uh, but you know how inseparable four-year-old boy buddies can be, right? Sometimes it's all happiness and light, and sometimes you think the world is coming to an end, and the volume has been turned up to 99, and they just scream at each other. So one night, they were staying overnight, and I think it was at our place, and they were staying overnight, and they were in Paul's room, and the volume was just off the charts. So I ran in there, and I said, listen, I don't care if the house is burning down. I don't want to hear another word from you two. Well, really, if the house was burning down, probably been okay to say something, but human anger, right, does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Most of the time, the stuff that you get mad at and the stuff that I get mad at is not the stuff of eternal importance in the kingdom of God. So in verse 26, here, in this controlled tight rein on the tongue thing, James underscores this. He talks about the necessity of keeping a tight rein on the tongue. A wise man once said, the best way to save face is to keep the bottom part of it closed. Or, for those of you who style yourselves to be visual learners, God has given us a visual aid. We have two ears and one mouth, right? So we should be listening at least as twice as much as we speak. Human anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. The second thing that James says in this passage that marks a doobie is a clean life. This, this is a person who is, is working to avoid contamination with sin, verses 21 and 27. And James is pretty in your face about this, in our faces about this. In verse 21, he says, get rid of the moral filth. In verse 27, he says, keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. What he's trying to get us to see is that we need to be careful to avoid damage to our spirits. We need to be careful to not dance too closely to the edge. I had the privilege of visiting the Victoria Falls in Africa one time. It's on the Zambezi River that uh, that divides uh, Zambia from Zimbabwe. And, man, you can get, like, right up to the the falls, to the point where you bring an extra change of clothes because you get so close that you're soaked to death with water by the time you're done. But listen, this is the guardrail they had put in place to keep people from falling over the edge. It was this little chain that was about two feet off the ground with this little chain links between these posts, some of which the chain link part was missing, so all that there was the post. And this little sign was about this big that said, be careful. Right? Because if you weren't, I mean, and the, the chain was like right at the edge. And so the challenge was not to see how close to the edge we could get without falling over. The challenge was to go, (laughs) yeah, that's a long way down. I'm going to watch it from back here. That's what James is trying to get us to see. 
He, he's trying to get us to see that we shouldn't see, uh, we're not supposed to see how close we can get without getting hurt. We should back off. Now, there's always some tension here. First John chapter 4 says, we are in the world but not of the world. That is, we represent God in the world. We are called to mix it up with the world. We're called to mix it up with people. First Peter chapter 3 says to give people a reason for the hope that we have. We're supposed to be a force for Christ wherever we are, in our workplace, in the store, in our schools, wherever, it doesn't matter. But we're always mindful. This is what James is trying to get us to see. We're always mindful, always checking in with the Holy Spirit. Am I doing okay? Checking in with an accountability partner, somebody that loves us, who's a believer in Jesus, who cares about our well-being, who is willing to say to us, hey, you know what? I think you're dancing a little close to the edge there. I know that I, you know, I've stumbled on this score. That's why it's so important to have people in our lives who come from a, a Christian worldview, who come from this perspective of belief in Jesus and understanding how important it is, as James says, to be careful in the way that we go. And then there's the, the third measure in this passage, this third basic measure of a doobie. It's, it's a caring heart. It's a caring heart. In verse 27, James uses a classic biblical illustration to underscore care for and service to the people who are most defenseless in society, widows and orphans. Throughout the Bible, widows and orphans are held up as, you know what, how do we tell if we're really caring for people? Are the widows and orphans okay? That's how we know. Because if they're okay, we're pretty, pretty sure everybody else is going to be okay too. And so he, 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 he holds this up. And, and, and this is not hard. This is not difficult. Caring, people, caring for people is just not that hard. We just need a little creativity and a little willingness to get our hands dirty and do it. I have been so um, amazed at the way we've adapted the community meal and essentials pantry to still be an ongoing witness for Jesus, even during these times. We could have easily said, you know what, it's too hard to do. But no, Sandy and her team and Mary and her team, they've stepped up to put lunches and essential pantry stuff in the hands of people who need it. To collect prayer requests from people, some of whom don't even know what it means to have a prayer request. Caring. It's just not that hard. Even in a complicated time like this, it's just not that hard. I can remember the first time I encountered Operation Christmas Child, the little shoebox project, you know. And at first I didn't quite get it, but my kids, they caught it immediately. Dad, this will be a blast. We can pick out stuff for other people. These are kids. We can pick out stuff for other people and send it to them, and they'll enjoy it. I'm thinking, what? Who who are you two? What's going on? One of Pastor Laura's favorite missions is Operation Christmas Child. Tony Evans, a a very prominent African-American pastor, said this. He's describing what's going on here in James chapter 1, verse 27. He says, how do we know we're doobies? The quote is, provide for those who can do nothing for you in return. Zero expectation, zero desire, zero hope that somebody's going to reciprocate. 
We, we minister because we are called to be doobies. We are called to be people who do minister. A couple, three weeks ago, we went through that whole list of Bible one another's. I don't know if you were watching that morning, but there were like 42 of them that we, we, we sped through pretty quickly. Because there's dozens, literally dozens of these in the Bible, these emphases on caring for each other, caring for people. And that's what James says here is one of the markers of a person who's acting out on the Word of God. Now, here's the flashing yellow light. I'm going to say it again because it's, it's, I think it's essential to, to walking away from this passage with the right kind of idea about it. You can be the nicest person on the planet. You can uh, support every charity that comes your way. You can roll up your sleeves and contribute to whatever worthy effort comes along. And you can do that in the hope that you will earn God's favor. That is not what is happening here. What is happening here is God is saying to us through his word, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then these things should flow from you in gratitude for the work that God has done in our lives. When I first became a Christian, I, uh, this is my first Anno Domini Bible, my first in the year of the Lord Bible for me personally, which was in February of 1980. This is the Bible I went out and got. I got these little tabby thingies here so I could find the books in the Bible because I had absolutely no idea where they were. And if somebody said, turn to Ecclesiastes, I went, huh? But I got these little tab thingies and now I know exactly where it is. But here's the thing. I found out, because I was in a Bible study watching other people do it. I, found, I got this thing and when I first got this thing, I treated it like it was a piece of gold bullion from Fort Knox. I mean, I wouldn't put anything on it. I carried it around very carefully. I opened it very gently. I, was, I mean, I, I treated it really, 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 really well. But then I get to my first Bible study, and I'm the kid who knows nothing about anything. I've got my Bible there, though, my trusty Bible there, which I would never have hit that hard in those days. I got my trusty Bible there, and I look around the room, and I notice as the, as the Bible study leader is saying things, people are writing in their Bibles. I thought, what the what? You're writing in your Bible? And then I realized it was okay to take notes in the Bible to keep up with things that were being said that were important that resonated with you. And so I started doing that too. And for a very long time, you can see here in the book of Nehemiah, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but you can look later if you would like. There's, there's green ink all over. You see the green ink? Can you see it? When I first started Marking my Bible for a long time, I used a green felt-tip pen to do that. Now, I've given up on being uh, particularly married to the green pen since then, and now I use whatever happens to be handy, or if I'm using an electronic version of the Bible, I use the built-in highlighting mechanism that's there. So I've, I've migrated away from the green pen. But if you look through this, this is not bragging, this is just me because I was so dense. I was writing down everything people said when they said it because I thought, oh, wow, that's really cool. And uh, so there's a lot of it in here. And so I marked this Bible up with my green pen. And this is a well-marked Bible. But that's not really the question, is it? The question is not much I have, how much I have marked my Bible. The question is how much the Bible has marked me. Right? How much of what I do on a day-to-day basis reflects the truth that's in here? How much Jesus do people see in me? 
How much free reign does the Holy Spirit have to lead me and to guide me and to move me in the right direction? How much am I marked by the Bible? Because I could have highlighted this thing from A to Z with green ink. In fact, I saw a Bible once called the Highlighted Bible. Literally, every passage in the Bible is marked. So if everything is highlighted, right? You're back at square one. But how much has it marked me? See, the simple truth is we need a different kind of mirror, really a different kind of reflection, so that when we look in, when we look in, we have kind of a, what I call the Romans 8.29 effect. We all know Romans 8.28, or many of us do. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We stop there. We don't go on to verse 29, which gives us the whole reason why God's at work in our lives. And that is in verse 29, that we might be better conformed to the image of Jesus. That's what's going on. So, that's the kind of mirror that you and I need. Now, this isn't rocket science. Man, pick up a Bible. It's never too late. Start reading it. Piece at a time. We've been sharing pretty regularly the New Testament reading plan, which has you get from, from the beginning of the New Testament to the end of New Testament, from the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation in a year. We're going to continue to do that. Get plugged into a place where you can, you know, dissect those truths a little more deeply. Uh, there's a study here on Sunday morning. We're going to probably launch another one uh, on Sunday mornings in the fall. Find a place where you can... Dig into the word and, and apply the truth to, to, to your life, to apply the truth to our lives so that we really can be doobies. So that instead of marking our Bibles, which is okay, our Bibles mark us. Pray with me. Father, we thank you this morning for the many, many ways that you have gifted us and blessed us, blessed 